Roger Williams University is hosting a crisis management seminar on May 3rd at their Providence campus. Crises, whether a natural disaster, cyber attack, or financial instability, can have severe repercussions if not handled properly. This is where crisis management plays a pivotal role. Join Roger Williams' MBA students and expert speakers to learn how to prepare for the unexpected. The program is totally free and open to the public. You can register online at rwu.edu slash events slash crisis management symposium. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Bartholomew Town Podcast, continuing coverage of COVID-19's impact here in Rhode Island. I'm Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, a conversation with Rhode Island Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea discussing the primary election, which was moved from April to June, and the census. Good morning, Secretary. Thanks so much for uh, for hopping on. Appreciate it. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you doing? Holding? Staying healthy? Well, yeah. Trying to uh, adhere to the guidelines, you know, and just keep morale up, et cetera. You know, that's a big factor as well. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. doing the best we can, hopefully the same on your end. Yeah, no, I, you know, I have to say I'm um, incredibly grateful to all of my employees and, and the work that they're getting done during these really challenging times. Uh, it's not easy, uh, but uh, but they're getting it done and, and we're serving the public and, you know, every day is, is a new sort of set of challenges and we'll have to see how how you know it's going to all turn out yeah it's it's fascinating to watch just the classic american ingenuity play out right now whether it's in the different sectors or just the way we're kind of rethinking how to go about basic problems um you know some of it's stressful but some of it might yield new ways of doing business or new ways of educating i mean i don't think we're going to come out of this and say all right let's put second graders in front of a chromebook for 180 days a year but (laughs) you know there's interesting yeah. stuff for sure. No, no, it's true, and 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 I've had that same conversation uh, with my leadership team, and you know, look at something like you know, we're going to talk about more about the the presidential preference primary. Um, you know, having being forced to look at you know a predominantly mail ballot election does open up uh, opportunities to rethink you know the way we've been doing things, which is, you know have have developed because of other historical circumstances right. that are very different than the ones we're living through right now. And so um, rather than just try to completely mimic the previous, you know, setup, you know, when we hit a roadblock, let's think, okay, maybe we should be thinking about this differently. So I agree. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's changing times. Let's talk about the the presidential, well the, well, the primary now pushed to June by executive order earlier this week. And more than anything, not only the date, but as you just mentioned, the, the method of election shifting to a primarily mail ballot election. From your office, from your purview, is Rhode Island prepared to make that shift, um, both in terms of the timeline and in shifting to a primarily mail ballot election? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. We're, we're prepared um, because we're we're basically expanding a system that we have done before. Uh, I, I listen, you know, I'm in, in conversations daily with some of my colleagues in in other states, and some of them have real challenges. For example, they don't have a digitized signature for each of their voters. We have that, actually, in our database. Um, so in many ways, uh, Rhode Island is, is well prepared to handle a predominantly mail ballot election. 
Uh, and let me and let me back up and say, you know, when we were faced with the challenges that running a, an election in a safe and uh, way for, you know, that respects social distancing and and minimizing uh, contact between people. Um, primarily, we wanted to make sure that we can ensure that all eligible Rhode Islanders can cast the ballot right in a safe and secure manner that still protects the integrity of every vote. And, and I think that the, the systems that we have in place are a great foundation, and we now just need to figure out how to do that in a much larger way. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the safety valves that we'll have in the system is that, you know, there will be a polling location in every community. We can't just go overnight to a completely mail ballot-only situation. So what we're looking at, at doing is... Um, Basically, and, and this is what voters need to know, that there's going to be three steps for the presidential preference primary, which is now going to be June 2nd. The first step is to go to vote.ri.gov and, and either register if you haven't registered or make sure that your information in our voter registration database is up to date. Step two, uh, my office will then send all registered voters a mail ballot application with a postage paid return envelope. So all they have to do is fill it out and then return it in the envelope, put it in their mailbox. The mailman will get it over to us. And then finally, step three, once we get that mail ballot application, then my office is sending you a mail ballot. Now, if for whatever reason the person doesn't do that and then decides that they want to go vote, then we will have measures in place for an emergency mail ballot time period and then also on election day, there'll be, you know, like I said, a very small number, but still some polling locations in every community. Are there any specific security challenges that come with spreading out the or expanding, I should say, the amount of, of mail ballots that you're, you're going to be receiving? Um, you know, it's an analog process, and I'm sure there's a blend of analog and digital going on when you're counting these, these ballots. But is there any specific new challenge you're kind of a, a, a alert to here? Well, I think, I think the, the, the challenges are, 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 are things that are mostly not going to be visible uh, to the voter. Uh, and I mean, that's my expectation and hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, how do you now mail to, you know, the 780,000 people that we have on, on the, in the database, right, for that mail ballot application? And so you just have to make sure that you find a printer who can do this kind of a mailing and, and turn it around. How do you develop uh, and make sure that the envelopes are easily read by the automated machinery at the post office, which requires coordination with them and things like that. But um, it's, it's more, I think the challenges are more about the scale. Um, you know, there will be some challenges with regards to, you know, historically a mail ballot application has uh, either, it requires either a, a, a notarized, oh, sorry, yeah, notarized signature. Sorry, it's the not the mail ballot application. The the, the mail ballot itself requires either two witnesses or uh, uh, a notarizing of, of the envelope. And you know, notary is not going to be an option right now. That's just not feasible given the public health uh, restrictions that we have. And so that's a conversation that we need to have in you know in 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 our community about. How do we ensure that people can still get us their ballots back and make sure that we, we still have integrity in the system? 
And it's part of the reason why I've proposed to the Board of Elections that we co-chair a task force to tackle the changes in operations to the presidential preference primary so that Chairwoman Medeiros and I invite uh, local boards of canvassers, representation, the, of course, chairs of each of the political parties, and then, uh, you know, some community leaders that historically have been very engaged in this process to, if you will, look over our draft uh, plan and, and help us think it through so that there are no unintended consequences that either disenfranchise voters or somehow weaken the integrity of the election. And, and so that's, to me, when you have these big changes, it's really, really important to have a diversity of opinions and perspectives and backgrounds around the policymaking table that can help you catch uh, things that you might not see from your own vantage point. For people who are independents in Rhode Island or sometimes they're even a member of an opposite political party and want to disaffiliate and go in and vote in a primary, that that mechanic that we see play out oftentimes in Rhode Island, is there a, an ability for someone to change parties or join a party, et cetera, and then essentially vote in that party's primary via mail? Yes, uh, that's why we're doing um, uh, the mail ballot application. So the mail ballot application, uh, if you're a registered Republican, you, you know it's going to be, in a sense, automatic. We'll send you the Republican ballot. If you're a Democratic uh, voter, then we will send you the Democratic primary uh, uh, ballot. But if you're an unaffiliated, which is more than 50% of our voters, then you get to choose on the mail ballot application which ballot you want sent to you. Gotcha. Uh, and now we've... We passed legislation that doesn't that doesn't mean that you know from from there on you're going to be registered in that party. It just means that you're going to vote in that particular primary. Um, that was legislation that we had passed last year that that allows people to remain unaffiliated despite voting in a primary. So the election, a new challenge, no no question about it. And um, we'll see how you know if anything. There's always going to be commentators or or citizens or whatever they're going to push back on you know, try to undermine confidence in elections. It just seems like that's an, a ubiquitous thing, maybe not just in Rhode Island, but everywhere. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and I don't know if that's something that's necessarily of this time period. I think that's always <laughs> been the case right. throughout the history of elections. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the one thing I have uh, to tell people who are listening is um, it is really important that you get your information from your trusted source, which is, in this case, the Rhode Island uh, Department of State, the Board of Elections, and your local Board of Canvassers. Those three offices can answer any question that you might have or doubt or concern. Uh, And so I really encourage people uh, to reach out, um, even during these times of of social isolation where we're still accessible by phone, by email. uh, And and it's really important for people to go to vote.ri.gov which is our voter information center, and and really make sure that they can find themselves and that their address is correct, that their party affiliation is correct, because now is the time to update that information. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. All right, switching gears to the census, um, where are we at right now as far as, you know, I guess even just your impression of the rollout and digital completion and any specific challenges that are emerging here in the midst of COVID-19? 
Um, so no, definitely. I mean, you, I have a lot of the same, uh, concerns, particularly yes, with all the college students, uh, leaving. Um, now, interestingly enough, um, the U S census did, uh, release an online map that you can look at national response rates and you could do it by state. You can even do it, you know, by jurisdiction and Rhode Island, interestingly enough, I'm actually looking it up as we're speaking, uh, has a fairly high rate. Uh, in fact, I think it had yesterday, it had the highest rate in, in New England, uh, which I, I thought was fascinating. Mm. Uh, so, and that's another thing that I hope that everybody who's listening to this has had their household fill out the census. I did it uh, three days ago. It literally takes 10 minutes or less. It's, it's very simple, easy questions. Um, I've been working really hard uh, to get uh, the word out throughout the state and, and particularly in the Spanish-speaking community um, so that we can have as, as strong a, a count as possible. But, but yes, you know, historically Rhode Island does have an undercount and it has to do in part with our geography. Um, we, we have a lot of multifamily units in our most, most densely populated areas. It's, you know, all those uh, triple-deckers yeah. uh, that are part of our, our history. Um, it makes it hard for, you know, when people go to knock on the doors to follow up on, on lack of response. Uh, you know, people might not answer. They may not hear it. There's a broken doorbell, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if this online system helps us out. Right now, as of today, I'm looking at the website, um, Rhode Island's self-response rate is 23.9%. Um, the national self-response rate is 23.6%. So we're, we're barely, you know, a little bit above the national self-response rate. Yeah. So um, it's really important for everybody listening to this to ask you know, your family members, your, your neighbors from six feet, uh, or more, uh, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> oh, six feet away or more. Um, but, but to, to say, Hey, did you, have you done the census? Um, we need to make sure that, uh, that every single Rhode Islander, uh, fills that census out. Every single person that you, you put down on the census, uh, lists is money that's going to be coming to our state for the next 10 years. It's, it's, a, it's something that really, it's a snapshot of today that has huge consequences on our future because of federal funding that's determined based on how many people every state has. And then, you know, our voice in Congress. Uh, we, we are very close to losing a congressional seat, and, and we don't want to have that happen. We, we would much rather have two people advocating for Rhode Island in, in Congress than just one. Secretary of State Corbea, and uh, thanks so much for hopping on here in the midst of a really bizarre time. No, no, no. question about it. <laughs> no, thank you for, for, for doing this and for continuing the, the, this work because through it all, we have to be able to have some sort of sense of normalcy. And, and having your podcast come out and, and having the information disseminated uh, really, I think, is, is, uh, helps out uh, during these difficult times. Um, and so again, and just one last pitch to everybody listening, please go to vote.ri.gov. If for some reason you can't find yourself in that database, uh, then call my office at 222-2340, the elections division. We'll do, uh, some more, uh, sleuthing to make sure that it's not, uh, somehow some, some, uh, bad da data entry. 
and uh, and get yourself counted in the census and make sure everybody in your family and friends is counted. So thanks a lot, Bill. All right, Secretary. Thanks so much. Looking forward to an, a summer after this is all over and um, a wonderful June 2nd day. Hopefully it's a beautiful day and we're we're feeling this curve on the way out. I know. Yeah, last time you and I talked, it was at one of the uh, outdoor festivals. Yeah, PVD um, Fest, and, exactly. And I, I, I'm looking forward to doing that again with you. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.